Hey everybody, welcome to episode 179 of the Masterclass Podcast. My name is Cam, his name is Dave, and we are here yet again. What's up? Uh, you know, thankfully it's just kind of a, life's all right, so that's what's up. Yeah. Nice. Well, we are recording this uh, on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and um, I know our last episode, we spent the entire episode talking about what happened at Congress um, on the 6th of January and um, our thoughts on that and faith and politics and all of that. Um, So I I don't want to spend two entire episodes on that, but I do just want to comment on the fact that it is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. and you know, why we celebrate that holiday, why we honor the civil rights movement. And frankly, looking back on the last 70 years ish, um, how some things have changed and how some things have stayed the same. And, um, I just think it is incredibly important for us wherever we are in the world, um, to consider how we can use love and kindness and grace and mercy to change the world around us instead of hate and isolation and bigotry, segregation. Um, Just, you know, I say this in youth group a lot, you know, God made the world full of diversity. He could have made everything beige and taste like carrots. But he didn't. He made things beautiful and different and colorful and vibrant and all of the things that make life so exciting are the things that are different and we can learn from those differences. And so I'm just um I'm just reminded today of God representing himself through humanity, because all men, all women are created in the image of God not just a certain race, not just a certain ethnicity, not just a certain skin color. And to think otherwise, um, frankly, goes against what the Bible says and who God has revealed himself to be. So just uh, in the midst of of lots of turmoil, I am encouraged to think about who God is and what beauty means to him and what differences mean to him and why he chose to to share his image in so many different ways. Yeah. Yep. Well, and that's, I've I've always felt that that in and of itself being created in God's image and for the true expression of God um, to be experienced, he had to create man and woman. He had to create the different races. He had to, you know, there is that element of, um, you know, while we all are created in his image, it's like if you took the collective of what humanity is and put it all together, um, that helps us get closer to who God is. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, um, he is, he is creator and he is, uh, creator of life. And 
I think that is for me, um, you know, the significance of there needing to be the female, you know, species. I think much of him and being the creator and creator of life is represented by women. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, 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 uh, God has attributes of both. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. And um, <coughs> it is, um, it is, you know, I think that's probably one of the things I do long for in my life is, is, is more, and, and actually Melissa, my wife and I have discussed this a lot lately of just, we live in a part of the world where most of the people that we interact with on a daily basis look a lot like we do. And um, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I don't, I don't want to, I want to pre- present that, but um, I think we both have that desire to to be in a place where we encounter more of that diversity on a more regular basis. Mm-hmm. I agree. That's why I've always wanted to live in the city, Dave. <laughs> and now I do. It's a small city, but it's still a city. And I, and, and, and with it, I get the pros and the cons. You get the diversity. Yep. Yep. That's true too. But you also get, you know, all of the, less enjoyable things that come with living in an urban setting. Noise, crowding, <laughs> crime sometimes. But it's worth it to me. Great. Well, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day, everybody. I know you will not be listening to this on that day, but maybe <laughs> let this serve as a reminder in, you know, a week or two from now when it gets released. Because who knows what's going to happen between now and then. We've got the inauguration, um, and I, I said it before, I'll say it again, I'm a bit nervous. So, we shall see. Uh, so, stay safe, everybody. All right, we are in uh, Hebrews 6, right? That's where we left off before our uh, special episode last time. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And so we're doing uh, verse four through eight to carry on from mm-hmm. episode uh, 177, which is where we left this off at. So, yeah. Will you do the honor, sir? Yeah. So we're in Hebrews 6, starting with verse four through eight. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain, that often falls on it, and produces a crop useful to those who, whose sake it is cultivated, receive a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Well, this is uh, a lot, I think. It is a lot, yeah. To take in. (laughs) So maybe we should back up a little bit here and uh, 
So the the header here uh, above these verses that we talked about two episodes ago uh, says a warning against apostasy and apostasy, which is a fancy term means the abandonment or renunciation of a religious or political belief. So someone who is an apostate is someone who has left the faith or left, you know, their political whatever. So this is, this is helpful in, in, categorizing what we're reading here, right? In verses four through eight of chapter six. And this is a pretty hard passage, right? It is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance. Since they are crucifying once again, the son of God to their own harm holding up to contempt. So he's saying those that have been saved and, you know, have, like it said, done all, all the stuff there in those verses, but then have abandoned and walked away from their faith that it is impossible for them to restore them again to repentance. And that's going to make some people upset, Dave. Yeah. Once so, saved by grace, always saved by grace. Right. Yeah, there's whole denominations that won't <laughs> like this one. And so I have pulled up um, the uh, ESV expository commentary on this passage to help shed a little bit of light on this for us. Uh, since, well, Dave and I both love the Bible and are both you know, somewhat intelligent and versed in the Bible. Uh, theologians, we are not in the no. professional sense. Um, so this passage says, theologically, this text seems to call into question the comforting teaching of other New Testament passages that Jesus gives his sheep eternal life, and no one can snatch them out of his hand, referencing John ten twenty eight, that all those whom God justifies, he will eventually glorify, Romans eight thirty. And within this same sermon letter that Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Those who believe God's sovereign grace to be more dominant than human freedom of choice find their convictions challenged here. Let me read that one more time. Those who believe God's sovereign grace to be more dominant than human freedom of choice find their convictions challenged here. But this passage also challenges those who believe that our choice is the decisive factor in salvation. For this text asserts the decision to turn one's back on God's Son and His heavenly benefits can never be reversed. So it challenges free will folks and predetermination folks. He goes on, or the author here uh, goes on to explain, he's referencing Psalm 95, uh, talking about Israel's wilderness experience as a paradigm for the Christian church. Moving on, he says, Hebrews draws a distinction between the constituency of the church as we view it from our finite perspective and those whom God knows to be joined to Christ by living in lasting faith. Likewise, Hebrews implies a distinction between the temporal and external benefits of participation in God's covenant community, whether it be ancient Israel or the new covenant church, and the eternal and internal salvation received by living, lasting faith 
Christ. And here's the conclusion. This warning is intended to challenge the presumptuous, but it may also alarm and unsettle the sensitive consciences of uh, sincere believers. Aware of this danger, the author immediately reassures his hearers with reminders uh, of the evidence of good fruit that God's word and spirit have previously borne And that's Hebrews 6, 9 through 12, which we'll get to next episode. So we need to take what we read here in verses 4 through 8 and pair it with what we're going to talk about next episode, which is 9 and 12. And that will give us the fuller picture of what the author is trying to um, convey. And it is, it is definitely a warning against apostasy, against leaving the church, or leaving your faith, leaving, you know, God. So let's just acknowledge that this portion alone by itself removed from context is going to make people mad and be hard to understand. But let's just keep that in mind because then we'll talk about 9 through 12 next week and maybe we can come to a better a fuller understanding of what he's saying. So no one needs to leave denominations over this one. We can we can talk this one through. So anyways. What are your initial impressions of of these f- five verses? Um so my what I my thought is is that I guess there has to be some element of we can we can experience God and you know like this verse says all, all the different elements of tasting the heavenly gift and sharing in the holy spirit goodness of the word of God um and then to fall away and and I have to believe this is a reality because if anybody should know this to be true in terms of what it is to be in God's presence and to know who he is and then to choose against him, it would be Satan. And mm. he was clearly, I mean, he was a good angel. Um, he was basically the A number one guy when it came to um, the legion of angels and he made a conscious decision to go against God. And so from that standpoint, I have to believe that that is that, that, that there exists the potential for this. Um, and so that, so that's, that's, that was kind of the first, uh, the first, uh, thought that I had. And then the second was, um, We've talked about many times uh, Dallas Willard and the book that he does with John Ortberg, Living in the Presence or... Yeah, Living in Christ's Presence. Living in Christ's Presence. Uh, One of the things that has always stood out for me with Dallas Willard is, you know, he's kind of like, there's not going to be anybody in heaven that doesn't want to be in heaven. You know, and so my feeling is, is if you are truly... Um, you know, if, because I think one of the things that we, that we as, as Christians do is, is we tend to think I've messed up one too many times and God's not going to let me in. And I, you know, I had a bad year. I had a few bad months. I had many bad years where I wasn't actively seeking him. I wasn't repenting and seeking him daily. 
but I, I think it, it, for, there are people who, that while they have, um, not been fully enmeshed in the church and in a, a daily walk with him that they have not turned their back on him. And so, you know, if, if anybody's having like that concern or there's angst about, have I messed up one too many times or have I not been good enough? Well, that goes, that flies in the face of, of God's grace and what he said he did for us. I, I just, I guess I, I, I personally believe that those are people that have made a conscious choice to turn their back on God like Satan did. And there's no desire to come back. You know, it's, it's not like, a, oh gosh, I hope I didn't screw up one too many times or, you know, like I said, just you're confusing because if you want to, if you want him and you want to pursue him, he's going to be there and we're going to backslide and we're going to have those, those moments in our walk with him. At the same time, I, I also believe there are those that just go, yeah, I know who God is and nope, I'm going to turn my back and I'm going to leave. So. Yeah. And I, I, I think that goes back right to the definition of apostasy. The abandonment mm-hmm. and renunciation. Those, yeah. when you abandon something or you renounce something, those are conscious decisions that you make to sever ties with something or with somebody. Those mm-hmm. are those are uh, intentional, uh, you know, divorces, if you will, from something that you used to be, uh, you know, tightly woven with. And that by nature is different than someone who has sort of wandered or floated away. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, That's when you, you know, like those of you that are in, you know, marriage relationships or dating relationships, there's a difference in that relationship of you abandoning and renouncing that relationship or just kind of having a rough couple weeks where you just don't feel connected and you're just off kind of doing your own thing, right? Those are two very different scenarios. Not that not that the wandering and the drifting is good or commendable, but right. it's different in nature than saying I'm done, I'm leaving, I renounce you in this relationship and I'm walking away. You know, mm-hmm. and it is someone who has experienced someone telling them that I can tell you firsthand the the starkness, the depth, the uh the shocking nature of hearing that from somebody, uh it lingers for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it is clear to both parties where that person stands. Not always why. They stand there, but it's clear as day that a conscious decision to abandon that relationship has happened. And, you know, so I, I think you're, you're correct. Absolutely. In, in differentiating those two things, because they are very different. One is a choice and one is apathy, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and Jesus has a whole thing about being lukewarm, right? Which is the equivalent of, of, of apathy. Just be hot or cold. I just, I'm just going to spit you out if you're lukewarm, right? Like, pick a side, essentially. Make up your mind. And so I think it is, if you are someone that has 
has wandered, has drifted, is unsure, you know, has is trying to find their way. And you read this and you have the thought to your point, Dave, as you said, oh, crap, I hope I haven't messed up one more time, one too many times. That's a really good sign that you haven't abandoned God and you haven't renounced your faith. Because if you did, you wouldn't care if you'd gone one, two, mm-hmm. one step too yep. far. Now, that doesn't mean you should stay there. Obviously, right? Nope. If you're having that thought, that that is the Holy Spirit convicting you of saying, "Hey, still here, still love you. Let's figure this out, right?" Um, but if you hear this and, and you're saying, "Well, you know, forget God and all of his," you know, then you probably fall in in the apostasy camp, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely a great point, Dave, to to differentiate those two. And thanks for letting me piggyback on that idea. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm having multiple thoughts, you know, there's the, the, the prodigal son, which, you mm. know, I think that's an example of, you know, Jesus giving a parable, um, you know, where the father, you know, I, I'm thinking of, um, the shepherd going after the one, <laughs> you know, leaves the 99 and goes after the one, um, you know, even the nation of Israel, uh, Exodus 32, when Moses is up on Mount Sinai, they create the golden calf. And there's certainly, uh, and I would have to read it closer, but there's, there's certainly repercussions on there. And, and, you know, Moses is like, I'm going to have to, you guys have created, you've committed a a tremendous sin and we're going to have to make atonement for it. Um, And I think that's what Jesus does for us. Um, But there, there, there is just that, um, there are multiple times throughout the scripture where God's people don't do what they're supposed to do. And they, in essence, turn their back on him. You know, Peter (laughs) denying Jesus, you know, there's enough evidence of you can, we can do those things and not be lost, but there is certainly the ability to make that decision and desire not to go back to him. So this is really interesting because I feel like we're getting into like shades here of, well, sure. what's, what's apostasy and, and, and what's not. And so like your, your examples, none of which I thought about, all of which are great, you know, prodigal son, the shepherd, even the 99 to find the one Exodus 32 and the golden calf, which still cracks me up. We have a, we have an episode. Uh, about that one called hey let's make a cow i think is what the title is (laughs) because you got to think right like if we can just pause for a minute from the serious talk moses is up on the mountain for i don't know a while long enough for them to decide let's melt our jewelry and make a cow is a good idea yeah like maybe it was the maybe it was the desert heat that got them they all got a little you know fried (laughs) but like how long does your leader have to be gone before you make that choice. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, that being said, we all make that same choice now. But it's not a golden cow. We make it about work. We make it about family. We make it about sports. We make it about sex, power, money, call, like whatever. We don't have to make a cow. We just choose what the cow is going to be. So we're all in the same boat there. But it's just funny. Hey, let's make a cow. Like it's just, it, it, it gets me good and makes me giggle. <laughs> um, and is one of the points of why I think God has a great sense of humor. Like, yeah, yeah, you're going to make a cow and you're going to look silly. Anyways, so back to what I was saying beforehand, because I can't help myself sometimes, Dave. Um, the prodigal son, like that to me, that is a very, very 
interesting story in light of what we just read, right? Because you would think that he falls into the apostasy camp. He tells his dad, essentially, screw you. I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance now because I'm too impatient to wait for you to kick the bucket. I'll take it now. Thank you. And Mm -hmm. I'm gone. And then he goes off and does all sorts of, you know, nonsense. But the point that brings it back for me from the brink of abandonment is when he hits rock bottom. Where does he go? He, he, his, his thought is to, I'm going to go back home Mm -hmm. and he'll at least give me a job. Like his, his thought isn't. So he went, I think he went about as far down that road as you could go before crossing over into the full abandonment. I think he was young and, uh, naive and incredibly proud and went in, Mm -hmm. did lots of stuff that lots of young men do when they think they know what they're doing. Uh, and when he hit rock bottom, he realized, Oh, I I need to go back home. So that was an interesting one. Cause when you first said it, I was like, no, he straight up abandoned his family. Like he renounced (laughs) them. But in the moment of truth, it turned out that he hadn't. He mm-hmm. just made some really, 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 really stupid choices, right? And then 99 to find the one fits perfect. Sheeps wander. That's because they're dumb, right? <laughs> that yeah. one fits. Now, the golden, the golden calf one to me, that's the most problematic of these three in my, in my case as far as what, compared to what we're reading, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm going to say it again. They melted their jewelry down. They made a cow. And they worshipped it. Mm-hmm. I'm really not sure how that doesn't qualify as falling away. They were being led through the desert by a pillar of smoke and a pillar of fire. Every day, food came down from heaven to sustain them. Moses was gone one day longer than they thought he should be. They built something and worshipped the cow. Like, I don't know how to say it any more plainly than that. And it's now, like you said, there were repercussions, right? That whole generation didn't make it to the promised land. Mm -hmm. So perhaps they do fall in the camp of, of apostates because they fell, because they fell away. None of them made it to the promised land. It was just their offspring that got into Israel. So God was able to keep his promise to the people of Israel, but the people that, fell away at that moment paid the price by never you know obviously this is all pre-jesus right right so there's different rules per, you know to use a word that doesn't really fit uh you know things were different mm-hmm. um so i think maybe i just talked myself into that one <laughs> so thank you for letting me work that out um but yeah, it's just really, this is a very, very interesting concept. And part of me wonders like, well, are we just arguing these things so that they fit what we already believe? And there really isn't a contradiction here. Uh, obviously, we're not going to read 9 through 12. So, you know, for you overachievers that are listening, you can go ahead and, and read ahead. But we're not going to do that right now. We'll do it and prep for next week. But um, I don't know. This is... This is a tricky one 
on a lot of, in a lot of ways because it's so easy to read into it what I believe and what I want it to support, you know? Um, but I, I think there's, uh, significant value in letting this challenge yeah. me. Yeah. Cause, um, one of the things that in Exodus 32, Moses stood at the gate at the camp and said, who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. The sons of Levi gathered around him and he said to them, thus says the Lord God of Israel, put your sword on your side, each of you and go to and from the gate throughout the camp and each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And that day about 3000 men of the people fell. Well, there we go. We've got our answer, Dave. But then, you know, so then there's today you have been ordained for the services of the Lord, each one of at the cost of his son and his brother. So that might bestow a blessing upon you this day. Um, so Yikes. yeah, so there's, you know, yeah, you know, and God or Moses goes before them and, um, if you will forgive their sin, please blot out, blot me out of your book that you have written. But the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book, but now go lead the people to the place about which I have spoken to you. My angel shall go before you. Um, <laughs> the Lord sent a plague on the people because they made the calf, the one that Aaron made. Okay. Yeah, there we go. We definitely have our answer mm-hmm. now. So, yeah. Yeah. So there was, you know, I, I think there was an element of, again, I think there were those that clearly chose against God and we don't want anything yeah. to do with him. And then I think there were those that, um, like, like we said, that, that they, they may have been misguided, but ultimately they wanted to serve God. They, and they repented, you know, they repented of their sin. And that's, um, <laughs> you know, we often talk about our personal journeys and things that we experience. And I'm always like, boy, I bet there's probably a lot more I need to be <laughs> repenting of than what I do. But anyway. No, I was, thanks for bringing those examples up, Dave. That was great. I didn't, like I said, none of those came to my mind. So I'm glad that, that you were able to bring them up. Cause I think that was a really helpful for me at least to walk through those in light of what we just read and, and try and, and, and help have those stories help me understand what we're talking about. So I appreciate yeah. that. So last two verses, uh, seven and eight says for the land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed and its end is to be burned. So not a big shock, an agricultural metaphor in the Bible. They're all over the place <laughs> uh, because it was an agrarian society, right? This is what they did. They farmed, they, they, you know, that's how you survived. <laughs> you, you lived off the land and, you know, there are still plenty of people on the planet today that live this way. Mm, yeah. Like a lot of them. Yeah throughout the world that live off of the land and make their living by working the land. So these metaphors still apply to an an incredible amount of people. They may just not apply to you and me, Dave, because, well, we are not farmers and we do not live off the land. But that doesn't mean that they are 
ineffective metaphors as long as we can do a little thinking, mm-hmm. right? So the point of crops is to provide food and sustenance, whether to humans or to animals, right? So the land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop that's useful for those that is cultivated receives a blessing from God. So when, when the, the land and the crops and the people that are, that are tending the crops all do their job, everything works out, right? It's a blessing from God. But if the ground bears thorns and thistles, it's worthless because you can't eat those and they choke out the good mm-hmm. plants. And we see this in other places. So what do we do? We just burn it and we start over again. And oftentimes, you know, you burn the stuff on the ground as a way to rejuvenate mm-hmm. the ground anyways. Yeah. Um, so what, you know, what was useless can actually, by being burned, become useful to the next generation. Of, of plants. So it's just another, it's, it's a, it's a summation of what we read before. If you remain in God, if you repent, you're part of the family, God's going to produce a crop. And there's a whole, there's other parables about that, right? You know, where the seed falls and the sower and, and all the parable of the sower and all of that. Right. But If you walk away, you abandon the faith, abandon God, renounce him. Well, you can read verse yeah. eight. Yeah. And I, you know, I would venture to say that there are people that have, have risen to places of authority over others and like in the name of God, in the name of Jesus, you know, they're, they're a, a, a spiritual leader or that's, that's, that is the, maybe at one time they were, and then either their power leads them to be, um, to change, uh, the money that they make. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm convinced there are people that have proclaimed the gospel and have been church leaders, have been spiritual leaders that their purpose was not the advancement of the kingdom. Their purpose was not for others to come to know God and, and live in that life. They liked, they liked being in authority. They liked the money that it mm-hmm. made for them. And I think they're the, you know, they're obvious ones, um, you know, that, that, are, that were cult leaders. Um, but I, I, you know, and, and ultimately it's up to God and it's not to me, but I, I, I think there's a lot more of those, um, whether they're famous or not that have abused that position. Um, and that's just, in fact, I'm, I, I had experience with one person like that, that has been to federal prison and continues to scheme people. And I remember when, cause he used to be a youth pastor. And I remember when he found out I was a youth pastor, we started having a, a conversation about it. And at first it was, you know, just the commonalities of struggles of being a youth pastor. And then as like the farther we went along, like, I'm like, oh, this guy's not like a Christian. <laughs> like this guy was never there because he truly believed the gospel. He was not doing, he was doing it for, you know, all the wrong reasons. And again, ultimately his heart and his destiny is up to God. It is not up to me, but I will tell you the conversation that we had, uh, it became very clear to me. He was not in that position because of, you know, the gospel and who God is. He was there for his own gain. 
And when it didn't work out, well, he's know. very critical of it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a good thing youth pastors make so much money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that was definitely a situation where it was the fame for him or the influence. Mm-hmm. Well, we're at the end of our passage for the episode, All Dave. Right. Any uh, any parting thoughts? Um, no, I don't think I have any parting thoughts. I wish I did, but I don't. No, no pressure. Just don't want to cut you off if you got anything else you want to add. But that's the end, then, folks. We have uh, we have come. To the point in the episode where we must say, Auf Wiedersehen, farewell, goodbye. Uh, but before I do that, just want to let you know, you can find uh, the show notes uh, in your podcast app of choice or at supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 179. There's links to all the good stuff, ways to get in contact, to say hi. And uh, until next time, um, yeah, be good. Bye.